Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. An Elio's original. And welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite mysteries. Each week, we will introduce our topic, lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. I am Ali Siegel. I am Melissa Stitton. And I'm producer Maria. Cool. Um, Melissa, who are our new patrons? We've got Kat, Leah, Liana, Leah. Is this a joke? And Rebecca. Startlingly similar first weird, three names. Weird, guys. Weird. Uh, well, welcome, ladies, to the club. Now for our episode of the day. In continuation, I am so excited with Women's History Month. Today, we are going to be talking about female spies. Ooh, my dream job. Honestly, yeah, I think yeah. all of our dream jobs. I think at one point we were looking into how to be private investigators. True. Uh, yeah. But you have to have a law degree in California, so we couldn't do it. That's ridiculous. It's it's a little bit too much. Some of the most talented and undetected agents working across countries to win wars uh, from the beginning of time get top seat. Well, I don't know. Not from like like Eve. Adam and Eve. Eve was a spy. Yeah. Eve was a spy. Wow, Eve I was believe the uh, original spy. Get top secret information <laughs> and spy. settle controversies. <laughs> Let's get, get into, into it. it. This first sentence I wrote, I like tried to sound really smart. Okay. <laughs> Women have oft been written out of history. No, you did not say oh, oft, Allie. You oft. did not say I did. oft. I like had a moment last night, particularly the history of war. War is a man's game started by men, played by men, won and lost by them. However, this is not entirely the truth. Dun, Whoa. Dun, dun. That's really in like, that's, that's crazy. Insightful that's insightful and like, 
I'm intrigued. Tell me about it. Oft was a little much, but I liked I, it. No, I think that I think I the Oft it. made it. To mm-hmm. be honest. Okay, so first of all, there's been like so many female agents, and what people don't know is that they've actually kind of won the wars for most of these countries and most of these wars because they've been able to go undetected. Right. Similar to our female serial killer episode, like oh, yeah. women are able to do things very covertly because people don't suspect them. Um, and also they have different ways of of maneuvering uh, than men. Yeah, they um, do. And also, let's not lie, like men are kind of dumb. So... It is true that some of these women, although not all of them, some of these women use sex yeah. to get information. I well, bet. they think that but the men's brains are in their pants, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, that's <laughs> for sure. And women's brains are in their boobs. Are, <laughs> <laughs> are in their ovaries. <laughs> are in their ovaries. <laughs> so, like, these women sometimes would go undercover as secretaries for people that they wanted to get information from. Oh, that's good. And then they would like seduce the men and fall in and make them fall in love with them and then like get information from them and then leak the information. So we'll be getting into that. And there's these really cool like sisters who seduced and killed Nazis. Like it, it's really interesting. I found this article in the Atlantic and it says uh, Maxwell Knight, who was uh, a a male officer in the MI5, which is Britain's uh, CIA, basically, started wondering, could women be used as agents? Are women people? (laughs) Are feet shoes? He thought like, okay, women spies could seduce men to extract information. But he said they could not be oversexed or undersexed. Huh. They just had to be a little bit sexed, apparently. They couldn't be too hot or too cold, or else they would have like too much charisma and scare someone off, or they wouldn't be able to uh, attract their client. Uh, he said they would, or they would like find her terrifying. This reminds me of playing The Sims, honestly, because like <laughs> when you're a Sim and like you're trying to like get a husband, you'll put yes. them off if you like don't oh. kind of treat like if you like try to flirt with them too early, they'll be like turned off. Well, honey, oh. that's like dating in general. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't go on too strong from the beginning, and you can't, you can't just not flirt or all, flirt at all, or else you'll be friend zoned. <laughs> so, to that effect, it's the exact same with spying. This is what I found so interesting, and I actually learned this from a drunk history episode. Great, which is crazy to me. Was I in it? You were not. I'm really sorry. They cut you out. Um, so Harriet, well, Harriet Tubman, uh, we, they probably did. <laughs> no, they, they had a big talk about it. They cut you out. Harriet Tubman, in addition to running the Underground Railroad, was also a spy for the Union during the Civil War. So she learned all this stuff from running the Underground Railroad, like secret routes. Um, she made a lot of like acquaintances along the way. Like she legitimized herself with slaves who had not been free yet or slaves who were newly free. And she kind of got this reputation where, you know, she had all these like trusted scouts, they called them, and she could map territory. She knew all these secret paths. And so the Secret Service were like, Harriet, 
can you help us out as a spy for the Civil War? So she got $100 from the Secret Service, which was obviously like a lot less than what any other spy got. It's really crazy. uh, Tubman was able to uh, get information that helped black troops remain like unharmed during the Civil War. Nice. So she was able to like hugely protect the troops that she really cared about. She also, with information that she was able to get from spying, she created and like oversaw this like expedition, this like war move along this colonel. So she was the first and only woman to organize, create, and lead a military operation during the Civil War. Wow. And she was illiterate, black, and a former slave. So that's huge. Well, that's and it's cool. crazy that like, I don't know about you guys, but did you did you know that? No, I did because of the Black History Quiz Bowl that I was a three time champion of. Harriet Tubman was <laughs> she's popular. She's one of the questions. Incredible. As a total, she was only paid two hundred dollars for the duration of the war for like all the incredible work that she did. A lot of that she was never actually ended up being paid. They said like we pay you two hundred dollars. She was never actually received it. Of course. I know. And then in 2003, a bunch of students told Hillary Clinton, you know, Harriet Tubman did all this incredible stuff. She never received um, her full compensation, nor was she compensated the same as like her white counterparts. Right. And then Congress ended up paying $11,750 to the Harriet Tubman home in Auburn, New York. Oh, that was inflation of what it would have been. Yeah, with inflation. Yeah. So pretty crazy. I never knew that about her, but she was kind of like the original spy in America during the Civil War, African-American and uh, illiterate, but was able to do all of these incredible things. That's cool as hell. Incredibly awesome. by herself. Yeah, cool as hell. Then I don't know if you guys know Dr. Ruth, like five foot tall Jewish sex doctor. I love oh, that yeah. we're going oh, from yeah. Harriet Tubman to Dr. <laughs> Ruth. <laughs> to Dr. Ruth. I, two of the greats. I don't know. Why. <laughs> they should both be on American money. <laughs> so Dr. Ruth, at the age of 17, was in the Haganah, which is a Jewish military. In Israel, everyone has to join the military. Oh. And she was trained as a sniper. What? Oh, my God. I had no idea. Yes. She was a sniper in the military for years in 1948. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. She said she never she never killed anyone, but she was injured while she was in the military. Um, and has like wow. sustained those injuries since. But that was her first job at like, I mean, I don't know if you would really call it a job, but at 17, Dr. Ruth, sex, sex doctor was a sniper in, um, the Jewish paramilitary in the That's Haganah. Amazing. I know. Talk about a girl boss. <laughs> okay. Uh, then we'll talk about another Jewish queen <laughs> in honor of Passover yesterday. <laughs> Ellie is on one today. (laughs) I am on one. Okay. So uh, next is Vera Atkins. She was a young Romanian woman, and she met this Canadian guy. Martin Garrow. (laughs) Melissa's husband. Named William Stephenson. She's written about in this book called Spy Mistress, the true story of the greatest female secret agent of World War II. Whoa. Okay. This was a drunk history, too. (laughs) 
I'm not kidding. I like thought drunk history was a joke. I learned so much from that. Of course. They did. It's all real. A lot from the Nellie Bly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Very educational. They did their due diligence here and they they got those stories out there and they, they were real, man. Octavia Octavia Spencer played Harriet Tubman in the episode that I watched. Oh, and I yeah. was in that episode. You just probably couldn't see me because I was playing a guy, but I remember very well. I remember being there. Oh. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't see you. Because I um. sat with her at lunch. Oh, you sat with Octavia Spencer? Yeah, I did. Oh, my God. What did you guys talk about? Anything interesting? Yeah, she's super nice. I don't remember what exactly we talked about, but I remember her being, like, super nice. Great. Good to hear. I think the rock was brought up the rock the the wrestler yeah the rock the wrestler you mean did the- i stutter <laughs> i said the rock <laughs> i said what i said wow i would watch a movie with octavia spencer and the rock in a second oh, oh my, my god. god yes that would be a wow there boston oh my god, incredible you gotta get him for boston um boston yes um okay so this guy william stevenson is actually allegedly the um the inspiration for james bond and he oh. was uh, giving information to uh, Britain during the war. And he like charmed Vera in like the James Bond kind of way. And he introduced her to this German ambassador who was like horny for beautiful women. He was like, Vera, you got to get information from this German ambassador and give it to me. And then I'll give it back to the British. Vera was Jewish. Her real name was Vera Rosenberg. And she ended up being assigned uh, a high-ranking position in the Special Operatives Executive, which was known as Churchill's Secret Army. Damn. My favorite part about Vera... And this is, again, how women differ from men. So women are using, like, sex appeal. We'll also get into the fact that, like, they were highly, highly trained. She... I read, like to invent weapons on the fly. So what? like she would be, she like MacGyvered weapons. That's and cool. her favorite thing to use were rats that were stuffed <gasps> with explosives. Whoa. Yeah. So I guess she would like stuff an explosive down a rat's mouth and then just like throw it into a crowd. Jesus. Whoa. That is, that's intense. Why didn't she just yes. use like a can or something? Why did she? Have Why to didn't use a she rat? just throw the? Ex- because no one suspects <laughs> Why a rat. Did she just throw the explosives. <laughs> I guess if it had to be somewhere where like no one would notice. Yeah, if you like see a rat in a room or something, and or you just can't leave really it there, the and then like light run the out of there. Yeah, and then you run. It's smart as hell. Or if the rat was still alive, then it could go into it would just, areas that she yeah. couldn't go into. Oh, my God, that's so mean, though. But she probably did it. I mean, like, rats are gross. But also, cool, a woman who's not afraid of rats. <laughs> that's the most important part of this story. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that we could do an episode on that in general, women who aren't afraid of rats. I like possums, but I don't like rats. I like possums, too. Um, here's another one. Dutch. These Dutch girls seduce Nazis, which I think would make an amazing movie. Um, so this is from the New York Post. There's this woman, uh, Truce. She had a younger sister named Freddie. And then they had a friend who was a law student named Hanny. Apparently, there was like a handful of these women who wanted to take down the Nazis themselves in the Second World War. Usually, like there were these other spies who would do like code breaking and um, like typing and stuff for the army. 
But they were like, no, we want to do this ourselves. We want to be underground assassins. We're going to we're going to take down these Nazis one at a time. There's this book called Seducing and Killing Nazis. Hanny, Truce, and Freddie, Dutch Resistance Heroines of World War II. I love their names. I know. They're so good. They taught themselves German. Sprechen Sie Deutsch? See? See? Das Hilda. <laughs> they they would put on like red lipstick and dress like strikingly and they they would like start these conversations with the dutch nazis and the german soldiers and then they'd say hey do you want to take a walk in the woods with me a romantic walk so we can get to know one another and then there'd be men waiting in the woods and they would kill the nazis when they got in the woods for these romantic walks Dang. yeah And then these women were also experts at shooting targets from their bikes. So they would do. I thought you were going to say from their butts. (laughs) I know. That's what I heard. That's what I thought you were going to say. That is so sexist, Maria. (laughs) They could shoot targets from their butts. (laughs) They were not. They were not shooting targets from their butts. So they would, they would like do drive by bike shootings where they would, you know, be. The guys would be distracted. They'd be these beautiful women would be wearing like red lipstick and dresses and ride past the Nazis and be like, hello. And then they hello. just shoot them, gun them down. <laughs> Guten Tag. <laughs> Guten Tag. Guten Tag, bitch. And then they just gun them down. Next, uh, this isn't a spy, but I thought it was cool. I was wondering like, who was the first female FBI agent? I don't know. Mm. Clarice Starling. <laughs> Okay, so it's this woman named Alaska Davidson. Oh, good name. Yeah, a lot of good, good name. She was uh, born March 1st, 1868, a Pisces queen. She died in 1934. <laughs> and she was originally a police officer, and then she was bumped up to a special agent for the FBI, the first agent, at age 54. Whoa. You know, it's hard for women to get later in life jobs, but... You know, maybe the FBI is a good job to search for. Yeah. She was hired by the director of the HB, uh, FBI at the time, William J. Burns, Mr. Burns. Ooh, Montgomery Burns. <laughs> Montgomery Burns. <laughs> she earned a salary of $7 a day. And it's more than I'm making. This was like the ni- early 1900s. Yeah. What would that be now? I think that's like $350 a day now. No, it is not. I'm sure her male counterparts made more. Either way, the reason she was hired was because of this thing called the Mann Act, where the FBI was trying to stop sex trafficking. So they started hiring female agents to the FBI. $219. Oh, that was close. That's actually pretty good. Wow, that was really good, Maria. Thank you. Math wizard. And that's also a pretty good amount of money. So they were trying to do this thing called the Mann Act to stop sex trafficking. Uh, so they started, that was the first reason they started hiring uh, female FBI agents to go undercover oh. and um, infiltrate uh, sex trafficking rings. So she was the first one, this woman, Alaska, age 54. However, since she was older, um, she was more like in charge of the other women that they hired because she couldn't so easily uh, get into the rings. Then there's this thing called like the secretaries who I talked about who would um who would seduce like the men and get information from them. And this was called the secret secretaries of the British Security Coordination. This was again uh, from MI6. It was in 1940 under Winston Churchill. 
allegedly 800 young women were employed by this and they were sent out as secretaries across the world to kind of like seduce their employers and get information from them and then send it back to Winston Churchill's. Eight, only eight of these women have revealed their stories today. So we only know the stories of eight of them. Yeah. Um, And one of them, the most famous is this woman, Amy Thorpe. Her code name was Cynthia and she worked for the agency. And I think she was Churchill's favorite spy from what Mm. I know for some reason. Maybe she could shoot things out of her butt. I'm not sure. (laughs) And then there are these D-Day girls who are kind of the most well-renowned who helped win World War II and sabotage the Nazis. So we're so fortunate today to have Sarah Rose. She's author of the national bestseller, D-Day Girls, The Spies Who Armed the Resistance, Sabotaged the Nazis, and Helped Win World War II, which is described on Amazon as the dramatic untold history of the heroic women recruited by Britain's elite spy agency to help pave the way for the Allied victory in World War II. All right, let's take a quick break. And then when we get back, we can talk to Sarah Rose. Webcrawlers has a Patreon to get access to rewards, bonus episodes, video episodes, shout outs, uh, ad free episodes, discounts. Please go to patreon.com slash webcrawlers. Also, we finally have a P.O. box. Yes, Melissa. uh, What is the P.O. box? The P.O. box is webcrawlers P.O. box 48737. Los Angeles, California, 90048. I got to come up with a jingle. 48737-90048. I will say, I think we've all decided that if we get food, we're probably not going to eat it. So don't send Unless us it's food. packaged. Unless it's like a, like oh, a like, cool, f- like packaged food from your hometown or something like that. Yeah. But you don't even trust that? No, I would trust that if it's like sealed, like. Like a package of Oreos or something from. Yeah. Like but like other stuff that's like you made yourself or and like Homemade. sent them like yeah. who knows what happens between. Yeah. And also like we've been watching. I've been watching a lot of catfish <laughs> like people on the Internet. We love all you guys. But like some people are crazy. Like we don't know. We do a lot of true crime stuff. Who knows? We don't want to die. We don't want to die. But if you want to send us artwork, fan art, presents, jewelry, like if there's jewels. something specifically you want to give one of us precious jewels. Uh, also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We will read your reviews on our mini episodes. And please call our hotline. 626-604-6262. And we will play your voicemail on our mini episodes. Also, you guys should check out Comedy Week on Stitcher, where they are celebrating our show, plus some other hilarious podcasts for April Fool's. No tricks, just the treat of listening to web crawlers and many more, all for free on Stitcher. Also, check out their curated homepage to find your next Comedy Pod obsession. If you're on your phone, you can download Stitcher in your app store or go to stitcherapp.com slash comedy to learn more. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Sarah, how are you? I guess my first question is, what kind of inspired you to write this book? I was, I'm interested in how women operate in sort of traditionally masculine spaces. Yeah. Nothing more like gung-ho G.I. Joe than the military. Right. I wanted to find a story about women in the military. And I assumed I was going to find something in like Afghanistan or Iraq. I thought I'd find a contemporary story to follow. And as I was reading around, uh, I just ask the question, like, who's the first woman in combat? There's a first, yeah. there's always a first everything. So who was the first? And after a little bit of digging, it showed that the very first women in combat sort of in uniform answering to command were the women of the special operations executive in World War II, that it dated back far further than I had anticipated. And the story had been lost. We'd forgotten about it. I'll get to that in a second about like why perhaps it had been lost. But I read somewhere, I think um, it might have been uh, Women's Wear Daily, that you did kind of like crazy research for this as well, that you like built radios and went to boot camp and parachuted and stuff for for your research. Yeah. So the thing that's interesting about these women, I mean, so much is interesting, but in part, yeah recruited for being like the greatest athletes or the most, you know, masculine little soldiers they could be. They were recruited because they had one skill that the allies had run out of by the middle of the war. And that is they had fluent native French. Oh, interesting. Bunch of women from age 20 to 55, ordinary average women. They aren't special. They aren't particularly athletic. They aren't particularly militaristic, but they are good enough in French to fool the Germans and fool the French. And they have British passports, which was key, or non-French passports, because Charles de Gaulle didn't want French people doing this work. They were ordinary women, and I was an ordinary woman, and I felt like, <laughs> gosh, they could walk off the street and do this. I should try. Well, I mean, it, it gave That's me incredible. a lot more respect for what they did. I would make an absolutely worthless spy, but it <laughs> totally gave me respect. 
we keep contemplating whether or not we'd make good spies and probably not, but we want to try at some point. Um, so you mentioned, you know, like a lot of these stories have been erased. And we talked about how even, you know, like Harriet Tubman did spying during the Civil War, which we weren't really privy to. Why do you think like there's such erasure of women who have been like spying or in wars and things like that? Because men write military history and women don't. Interesting. Um, I mean, that's and that's really the obvious answer. Um, there are other reasons, too. There's a failure of leadership, right? At the end of a war, everyone's writing a story that makes themselves look best. Yeah. Yep. So in France, France didn't want to look like a collaborating nation. They didn't want to look like they'd been humiliated by Hitler. And the way to do that was to tell a story about the French resistance. Everyone was in the French resistance. We all resisted. And we are a masculine force. We are powerful. We are strong. Having ladies do work behind enemy lines runs against that narrative that de Gaulle was trying to craft about France at the end of the war. I mean, and to the same degree, he wouldn't allow himself to be photographed near black African soldiers as he's liberating. Oh, wow. Like he was very conscious of this myth making. It had to look strong, white people, and it had to be men. So there is a kind of leadership and storytelling element to it as well. Spies don't leave footprints if they're good. So part of it is telling a spy story is always going to be hard because the better they are, the fewer traces there will be of the work that they did. Right. And then as well in World War II, this was kind of a novel technology, like a new weapon to send people in as a kind of organized military force. You know, there have been the IRA, there have been like guerrilla actions from, you know, Helen of Troy onwards. But the idea that they were still answering to command they still had a like critical part to play in the battle and were taking this like information kinetically and, and acting on it. That was brand new. That was uh, Churchill's kind of like big insight that when all of the democracies had been kicked out of Europe, when it was just England going it alone and they had no boots on the ground, he was like, well, people are mad. You, we can arm angry people. Right. They use them, use them as like a force so that when we do come back, when D-Day does happen, and they knew it would happen, they just didn't know when, uh, we'll have like this secret army ready to rise, totally prepared, totally trained, totally armed. And so that's what he did. He spent two and a half years doing this. He didn't want to give this away to the Soviets. It was kind of a new technique and a new, and it had been really successful in France and in other places, like in Norway. And he didn't want, like, the Soviets suddenly to, like, yeah. recognize what they're doing. So there was a big effort to keep these stories quiet. So, like, to that effect, I guess, like, um, sorry to interrupt, but, like, what kind of things were they trained in? Because you said, you know, these are kind of normal women whose main skill is language. What what else were they trained in? I mean, they were trained in communications, so Morse code and telegraphs and cryptolo- cryptography they were, uh, you know, trained to sort of work underground. So you were trained to build up an identity, to pass messages, to work discreetly. They were trained in hand-to-hand combat. They were trained in weaponry. They were trained to blow things up. They were saboteurs. They were trained to jump out of airplanes into occupied France. So, I mean, they were given a proper short, but nevertheless, the first class, the one that I concentrate on in D-Day Girls, Uh, they were given very little training under a month Uh, as the war progressed and the allies realized that the women were pretty good at this. There were more, this is a resource we can draw on, but they're underprepared. They started doing much more 
in-depth training, six months, the kind of training that men would get for the same situation. So that is what they were trained to do. And and they were very, very successful at it. Um, I was going to say, this is kind of like a broader question, but who who are the D-Day girls, the most, the most notable ones? There are a couple of answers to this question. Um, in their lifetime, they this was classified information up until about the early 2000s. So most of these women weren't celebrated because they, no one, the files were locked. And, and there were still a few, but they, they didn't get the kind of celebration they got until uh, we got to see what was in these classified files. Nancy Wake was an Australian woman who uh, went into France and she lived to ripe old age and she was a big character. She was just sort of very, loved to tell stories about herself, loved to, you know, hold up a bar and keep everyone entertained. And so she was quite celebrated in her day. We hear a lot about Noor Inayat Khan, who uh, was Indian. She was actually like a descendant of an Indian prince. Uh, Indian and American, so uh, South Asian Indian. And we hear about her for lots of reasons. She was a colonial. She was not white. She also is a, her father is the founder of a pretty successful Sufi sect. And so she has this kind of claim to like Sufi mysticism. So she's an interesting character. She was actually a pretty terrible spy who got other people (laughs) killed. But we hear a lot about want there to be women of color in these stories. We want non-traditional stories that are fun and exotic. So those two tend to be the most famous, the most circulated. But there were 39. And oh, and then there's Virginia Hall, the American. So the very first woman uh, to do this kind of work wasn't doing sabotage work. She wasn't parachuting in. She'd been in uh, occupied France with an American passport. And that uh, prior to Pearl Harbor, we hadn't declared war on Germany. So she was allowed to be there when no one in Britain was. So she could act behind enemy lines with like a kind of freedom that no one else had. And she uh, was liaison agent. She could coordinate uh, getting money and clothing to people and communications. And she was just sort of a hub for all of the male spies that they were sending in at the same time. She was the very first woman, but she was an American. She had a wooden leg. She lost a leg in a hunting accident. Yeah, she had her wooden leg and she named it Cuthbert. So wooden leg. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I think she was actually in, uh, Maria used to be in a show called Drunk History. And I think they did, they did an episode on the female spies. And I think she was one of the women that they portrayed in that. I read also, I don't know if this is accurate or not, that um, one of the thing about these women is that there were also a lot of them were like mothers and they had, you know, like children at home and their husbands were off at war. So they had to kind of make this personal decision of like, am I also going to go and leave my children? What was the nature of like a lot of these women's home lives? Like, were they were they single or were they what was going on there? So they covered again from 20 to 55. You get an entire range of sort of the female experience. Um, There was one mother who uh, she had three little girls at home. Her husband was off at the front and she was French born, but married to a Brit, which gave her a British uh, nationality. She's interviewed and she says, send me like I want to go like her life. She felt was kind of stultifying. And she also felt she had a very feminine response to the request, which is one of the reasons I found her so interesting. This is Odette Sampson. She was 30 years old and she framed the question in the language of motherhood. She said, France is gone. Europe is gone. My daughters are English. What happens to these little girls? Like if Britain falls too, shouldn't I as the mother do everything in my power. And if I have this unique skill, 
that like they're so desperate for, they're actually like breaking their own rules and hiring women to do it. Shouldn't I answer that call? And so she managed to sort of tell the story as a female story, not like I'm leaving my kids behind in a convent school, which she also did, but very much like I'm doing this for my daughters. That's so interesting how all this is kind of done with such like a female perspective. I guess this is like my last question. And I don't know um, if this is something you're you know about, but is there a prevalence of female spies today in relation to how it was in the past or or anything like that? Are you are you aware of any kind of statistics in that way? I'm not up on the statistics yeah. at all. For- <laughs> oh, neither are we. So <laughs> the answer is yes. Just because if you have a tool, you want to use it. Totally. Yeah. And there are things that female spies were sort of instantly better at mm. than male spies, uh, which surprised the allies. But the minute they saw it, they like made use of it. Women are caretakers. Women are listeners. This is something we're trained to do from the cradle on. And when you're recruiting a secret army, when you're behind enemy lines, when you're looking for assets, you're not finding the best soldiers. Uh Like the best soldiers are at the front, they're in jail, they're dead, or they're working in a factory. Like the best soldiers are not in civic life. It's the worst soldiers, teenage boys and old men. (laughs) (laughs) An entire world together at war, right? They're working the family farm, they're taking care of their mother, they're taking care of their sisters. You go up to them and you're like, hey, kid, we need you. Come live with us in the mountains, in the woods. You won't see your family again. You might die. This might not work, but come and help us liberate France. Women were really good at recruiting. They could understand why a guy might not say yes. The men who went recruiting, you know, just felt like you could argue them into the hills (laughs) and argue them into recruitment. So there was a giant asset in having women on the ground doing this because women are bred to be caretakers and it requires a lot of caretaking to recruit an asset. So, yeah. And then also because just the sort of balance of an occupied country is so female because the men are gone, the men are in jail, they're in concentration camps, they're dead, they're working in factories for Hitler's war machine. There are so few men that they stand out if you're sending a good fighting fit 26-year-old who looks like a soldier. What is that guy doing here and why isn't he crippled? Why isn't he why doesn't he reflect the fact that we're at war? Whereas there were women everywhere. A woman on a bicycle wasn't surprising to anyone. Mm-hmm. So they had a kind of cover. And we forget, like we today as Americans forget we had to learn this all over again in our forever wars in Afghanistan and Iraq that the battle spaces are very female. If you're in a traditional culture, right? Iraq, Afghanistan, you send a unit of teenage men, you know, young 20s into a a village where the men are gone and it's just women and children. You have a diplomatic disaster on your hands. So we started sending women along with these units, calling them combat support and doing exactly the same job in all but name, but we weren't considering them combat troops. So this is how the U.S. military ended up lifting the combat exclusion entirely because the women were there and the women were necessary. The women were keeping the rest of our guys safer, but we were calling them combat support instead of combatants. So that is how we got integrated. We had forgotten in 75 years that in an occupied country, the battle space is female. I had totally assumed that like the military was like a super masculine place. It is, 
but the playing field is female. That's so crazy. This is so interesting. Yeah, no, that's just, just crazy. I can't wait to read the book. I'm order. I'm gonna order it on Amazon right after you go because this is like I love stories. I know we've <laughs> learned. Yes, we've too. researched so many people for this episode. It's it's like so illuminating. All the women who have kind of like changed the direction of where these wars could go um, without really having any notoriety from it. Sarah, if people, uh, we introduced you before you came on, but if people want to read your books or find any of your work, uh, where can they do so? Sure. Well, anywhere books are sold. We love it <laughs> when you buy from uh, independent booksellers who need you right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I can offer you a link if you go to prh.com slash ddaygirls, all one word, that will get you the publisher's link. But you can buy it anywhere books are sold, ddaygirls, and... Uh, Please do. Awesome. Yeah, it's a it's a great book and super illuminating about how women have kind of changed uh, the course of history. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much. We're really appreciative uh, of your time. And this was this is really an illuminating. Oh, my pleasure. So really crazy. There's all these women who kind of paved the way for, you know, people today, women today working in like law enforcement or the army or the military. Uh, and it's crazy how we kind of, like I said in the beginning, we oft erase them from history <laughs> <laughs> and the history books. But they're such an important part of, you know, winning wars and conflict, passing along information. And we don't often talk about how they were doing all the things that men were doing, like they were code breaking they were, you know, on the front lines. They were sniping. They were like parachuting. Dang, they were building technology. Wow. They were sticking grenades and rats and throwing them places. <laughs> like, cool. Very cool. These women were just not, you know, like mothers and, you know, wives waiting for their husbands while they are at war. You know, they were. And also, it's important to realize that these women were not drafted. Like they weren't going to war because they had to. These women wanted to. Right. Um, and right. so that's also an interesting distinction that like the men at these times are going to war often because they were drafted. All these that's women true. like felt a national, like a, a internal cause to do this. And also it's something that they were interested in. Like much like the web crawlers were interested in, you know, figuring these out, things out. And, like, I would have became crimes. a spy. A hundred percent. All War the II. time, yeah. I think that I should be in the CIA. Like, I have no skills and <laughs> I'm not strong and I can't fight. But I think in any kind of situation, like, I could find things out from someone. Yeah, you'd be unsuspecting. To. Yeah. And people tell me things. That's another thing is like, wi- me- oh. like, people tell women things. Like, sometimes, like, have you ever been at the grocery store where all of a sudden the bagger or some random person is telling you their whole life story? Yeah, but I mean, that's just Trader Joe's. That's like what I think they're trained to that do. Is I think Joe's. actually that they are paid to have weird conversations with you. Yeah. Like I think it's part of the training that they have to have like a 40-minute conversation with you. I think it's ragging. in the training that they have to pick something up and go like, have you had yes. these? Oh, I love this. Have you I had love this? this. They're so good. Wow, that's so true because they do do that every time. So, so are you saying they're lying? Oh, I don't know if they're lying, but I think it's definitely part of the Trader Joe's experience is to relate Oh, interesting. We should talk to our friend Jesse Thomas about it because she worked at Trader <gasps> oh, Joe's. Yeah. And we got to get that would should- be That would be a great mini episode. <laughs> the, the politics of Trader Joe's. Yeah. So this is really crazy. If you know any other of, I mean, there's also like this female spy I didn't get into her called the um, Madahari, who was a burlesque dancer. 
And that's how she would get oh. um get the men to give her information is she danced burlesque and then like men would fall in love with her and and tell her information. So it's really like this thing of like women capitalizing on what society thinks of them and then kind of using it to their advantage as we always have and um, had to do. If you know any spies, I also talked to, interestingly, uh, I'll read this real quick. It wasn't really applicable for the episode, but a, um, a female private investigator messaged me. And she said, being a woman hasn't really um, been to an advantage, particularly in her job in person. But if she has to call someone on the phone... Um, to get information from them, um, that is more like emotional in nature. That if she like oh. raises the tone of her voice and sounds more babyish and stuff, that people are oh. more inclined, that men are more inclined to talk to her and get information, give information to her. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder what that, I mean, this like for interrogations. I think it could work both ways, probably, yeah, depending wonder, on the yeah. nature of the criminal. Yeah, some are really women haters. Um, so, uh, and thank you, Sarah Rose, to answering all these great questions and her fantastic book. Melissa, if people want to give us information on maybe their female, uh, favorite female spies, or if you're a female in law enforcement, you know, like the military, um, the CIA. Are you a spy? You, you can, can tell us your secret safe with us. We don't have that many listeners. Um, Melissa, where can people reach us? <laughs> you can email us at webcrawlerspod at gmail.com. And we also have a P.O. box, webcrawlers48737, <laughs> Los Angeles, California, 90048. And again, don't forget to join our Patreon, please. Patreon.com slash webcrawlers. You can donate as little as $2 a month, or you can do like $30 for the year, then you're done. And it helps us produce these episodes and get 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 great guests <laughs> anyways um i am ali uh dr ruth was a sniper seagull i am melissa freddie stetton <laughs> and i'm melissa but oh really but i'm not melissa. You're, you're melissa oh my god <laughs> I'm Maria Butt wow. Butt Aim Blasucci Butt Blaster Bus, but Butt Blaster, blaster <laughs> Okay, I am definitely making that into a shirt. All right, bye. bye. An Erio's original. Powered by ACAST. 
No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 